This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we love Hedda Barbera! Welcome to the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbera, a celebration of Bill Hanna, Joe Barbera, and the thousands of people past and present who have shared in their entertainment tradition. And now your host, Greg Airbar. Thank you, Chris Anthony, and welcome to the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbera. We have a really special treat because a true animation legend is joining us. I knew his name from when I was a kid reading the album covers, and we'll talk about that a little bit too, because like so many of you, I love to read those credits. This gentleman has a vast career that will probably only scratch the surface of, but I first of all want to introduce you to and welcome Mr. Willie Ito. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it, and sounds like it's going to be a fun interview. We'll also be talking about projects on the horizon that we'd like to talk about. But let's go back, though, and get the story of how you got to Hanna-Barbera and who you met along the way. Let's just get started with how you got into animation. Well, to start at the beginning, I hail from San Francisco. And since I was five years old, I always had the uh, desire to become a cartoonist, whether it was animation, comic books, spot cartoons, whatever, as long as it was in the field of cartooning. One of the uh, situations that happened during my uh, childhood, or I should say youth, is uh, the onset of World War II, at which time 120,000 Japanese uh, Americans were sent to internment camps, of which myself, my family, and my community had to endure. And so it was a, a three-year stint from 1942 to 1945. We, of course, had a shortage of a lot of material because of the war. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, in our camp, we did not have a store or a dry goods store or whatever. Everything had to be ordered by uh, catalogs. And so, of course, Sears and Roebuck 
And Montgomery Ward was a big retail outlet for our mail order. Mm-hmm. And so every three months, the company would send us a brand new catalog with all the latest things for sale. It was always updated. And so consequently, with the um, expired catalogs, it was rather precious to us because during the winter, we had to burn potbelly stoves for heat because Mm -hmm. we were housed in barracks that were basically a wooden structure covered with tar paper. And that was our only insulation. And so during the cold winters or hot summers, it was quite uncomfortable. So the catalogs were very precious because uh, it, it helped. Once or twice a week, a big uh, dump truck would come and unload a pile of coal. And that, again, too, we had to line up and first come, first serve for the choice pieces of coal. So there was always a line waiting to get the coals. And so the catalogs were good fire starters. And so my father would save all the catalogs. Uh I would take one of the catalogs expired catalogs and I would sit and draw little figures on the margin of each page like bouncing ball or a figure walking or jumping and doing whatever and then I would make my own flip book and so I would you know flip the pages and see my little drawings animated and so you might say that was my very early foray into the art of animation. Mm-hmm. And so in 1945, as the war was coming to an end, we were able to leave camp and go back to our original location. And fortunately, we, well, my father was very optimistic and says, you know, uh, no matter how the war ends, we will probably be coming back to our home. And so he let a very close family friend, a Chinese family, to move into our home for the three years. And in the event that we never did return, the Chinese family would have inherited our home. So we let them know that we will be coming back to San Francisco. So he had the house painted and tidied up. And so when we came home, we actually had our own home to move into. But many of the other returnees, they had sold off everything and virtually came back penniless. And so they had to sleep on cots in gymnasiums at the local Buddhist church or the YMCA or schools or whatever. It was quite a chore, you might say, to re-establish ourselves. And then, of course, the um, area that we lived in, which was known as Japantown in San Francisco, was totally vacated. But during the war, we had the shipyards in Alameda. So the uh, vacated neighborhoods, a lot of the southern workers were encouraged to move out west to work in defense plants and all that. When we returned, it was kind of a issue to reclaim our old neighborhood, you know. But then, uh, jumping ahead, I excelled in art and cartooning and also 
through middle school where I came back to, you know, I was like the artist or cartoonist and I would paint mural and, and posters and whatever. And then high school did the same. I went to the only high school in the San Francisco city. There were 10 high schools and my high school was the only one that had cartooning 101. So needless to say, that's where I attended. And fortunately, being the uh, class, or actually the school cartoonist, I did a lot of the um, posters for our uh, athletic events, mm -hmm. uh, for our uh, varsity football teams, and of course the um, school um, programs and yearbooks and all. Now I... Um, was attending San Francisco City College, and as I was finishing my two years up there, I was somewhat at a loss. There wasn't really what you might call a good art school. I mean, there was a number of art schools, but cartooning was probably the <laughs> bottom of the... Uh, it wasn't the way it was considered today. Uh, yeah, cartooning was like, wow, if you're gonna be an artist, why choose cartoons? <laughs> you know, why don't you get into advertising and things of that nature? But I persevered, and fortunately, my professor was a protege of a fellow named Don Graham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, you know, Don Graham was, you know, headmaster, you might say, at Chouinard's Art Institute, which was the original school before it became California Institute of the Arts. Yeah, and he would come in and teach the Disney artists, too, at the yeah. studio. I think he's in, or, or maybe a representation of him is in The Reluctant Dragon. I don't know if it's actually him or not. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that live-action sequence. Yeah. Yeah, so my uh, professor at City College wrote a letter of introduction for me to come down, show my portfolio, and I was awarded a scholarship. Mm -hmm. So while I was attending summer classes at Chouinard's Art Institute, I um, thought to myself, you know, as long as I had my portfolio with me, I didn't feel it was good enough to apply for a job. But I will call Disney Studio personnel and see if I could at least have an interview because what I really wanted to do was see the inside of the Walt Disney Studio because I've been reading about it and like you just mentioned, seeing the Reluctant Dragon and the tour of the Disney Studio and I thought, as long as I'm in Los Angeles, I gotta visit the studio and then I'll continue my schooling and then maybe in four years, I would have a real professional portfolio at which time I will seriously look for employment in the animation business, uh -huh. namely Disney. So I called the studio personnel and they said, yeah, come on in. And they granted me an interview. So armed with my uh, student portfolio, you know, basically high school drawings and posters and things that I did in high school yearbook. Our mascot was Polytechnic High, so it was a poly parrot. And so he was fun to draw. And so anyway, armed with that portfolio, I came upon the um, Burbank's 
yeah, it can get very hot, and it's it's a dry heat, as they say, but it's a very intense heat. Oh yeah, and then of course coming down from San Francisco, I'm dressed in my San Francisco best, which means I'm wearing a wool sport coat, <laughs> each slacks, and even my necktie was a knitted tie, and it was pretty hot. So my friend that drove me to my interview back then, 1954, there was no such thing as air conditioning in the car. So we had all the windows open and we drove to the studio. And then I walked on to the uh, Walt Disney Studio lot and the security guard pointed the animation building. Uh, And so I walked up Mickey Avenue towards the uh, animation building. All during this time, my perspiration, I'm just dripping wet, (laughs) (laughs) lugging my heavy student portfolio. So I finally get to the animation building and I open up the door and I was hit with this beautiful, cool, refrigerated air. Yeah. And then I go down to about the middle of the first floor and there's the elevator. So I press the button for four and then I step in and then as the elevator door is closing, it suddenly swings open and standing before me was Walt Disney. Walt Disney. And he's with an associate and they're deeply in conversation as they step into the elevator but Walt sees me in the back of the elevator and he gives me a polite nod and then they both turn around and they continue their conversation. And I'm looking at the back of Walt's head thinking, oh my God, literally, oh my God. <laughs> you know? And so we finally get up to the fourth floor, elevator door opens and Walt and his associate, they go screen right. And I go left to personnel. And then I meet with a fellow named Ken Seeling, who was the um, personnel manager. So he says, well, thanks for coming in. And then he gets on the intercom and he says, Mr. Ito is here now for his interview. And so about five minutes later, two gentlemen walks into the reception area. One guy, his name is Andy Ingman, and he's the uh, animation supervisor. Mm-hmm. And following him is this little Asian guy. So I was introduced to him as uh, Iwo Takamoto. Mm, major name to all of us who know Hanna-Barbera and Disney. Oh, of course, yeah. And so, um, so I was pleasantly surprised. I soon lost my intimidation of being in a studio like Walt Disney Productions. And, of course, I had that little uh, concern about how the industry was going to treat someone like me that was, you know, incarcerated during the war and considered uh, the enemy, you know. But seeing Evo, meeting Evo, gave me a good sigh of relief. Mm -hmm. And then... uh, we got introduced and we made small talk. Then they took my portfolio back into the conference room and I waited out in reception. And about 20 minutes later, uh, Mr. Seeling comes out and said, well, thank you very much for coming in. Don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, that's what I expected. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, I'll see you in four years. Then, of 
when I left, I took my sweet time leaving the studio. I looked at all the drawings and paintings on the walls uh, throughout the animation building. Yeah. Kind of walked around, uh, you know, the uh, premises and just thinking to myself, well, someday I'm going to be walking around here for real. And so, so that was my little uh, excursion to the Walt Disney Studio for the very first time. And about two weeks later, I came home from my night classes. Part of my scholarship was I helped to clean up after night classes. And I just finished cleaning up the ceramics room and I was covered with you know, ceramic dust and all. Mm-hmm perspiring because, again, it was a summer evening. I get back to my rooming house. I was staying at a rooming house for students, but we didn't have our own phone. So stuck on my door was a Western Union telegram. And, of course, back in the 50s, you know, when you got a Western Union telegram, it was either real good news or real bad news. Yeah, that's right. It was in the movies, it's always like, oh no, I'm afraid to open it, kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I had the same trepidation. My folks, my mom and dad, is living up in San Francisco alone, and uh, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I'm going to have to fly home or whatever. So I gingerly opened the uh, telegram, and it says it's from Walt Disney Productions. The telegram asked me to report to the studio the following Monday to take a test, sign Ken Sealing. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I prepared myself for that Monday. I had no idea what I will be uh, doing test-wise anyway. Mm -hmm. So I report to the studio and they assigned me to one of the famous uh, Ken Weber animation board uh, desks with the disc and light board and all. And then Johnny Bond, who was the um, production guy that was taking care of me, mm-hmm. brought me a handful of model sheets. Everything from Alice to Cinderella, mixed with Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse. And so he says that I want you to draw these characters. And I emphasize draw. Just because you're sitting at a light board that doesn't mean that you're going to be tracing. Fortunately for me as a kid growing up, I used to do a lot of drawings uh, from um, Disney comics Mm -hmm. and Disney coloring books and all. And so I kind of learned how to draw the characters rather than trace, you know. I spent the morning and I finished my uh, so-called assignment, turned in, then took a lunch break, And then at 1 o'clock, I came back to my desk, at which time Johnny Bond came and says, well, thanks, Uh, you did very good on the test, and you're hired. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking, I'm hired? He says, yeah, yeah, we like what you did, and we're going to start you in the lady unit. Well, at that time, I had no idea. There was a film named Lady in the Tramp in production, but when he says he's going to put me in the lady unit, my assumption was maybe the... Um, the ink and paint uh, department? Well, yeah, ink and paint, because it's all got ladies 
maybe that's, you know, beginning. Everyone kind of either works in incontainment, mixing paints or cleaning cells or whatever, you know. So I, I'm thinking to myself, well, that won't be too bad. At least I'm working in the Walt Disney Studio, you know. But then as it turns out, he says, go back to Milk Call's office and the gentleman that's in there with Milk will start you off. Mm-hmm. And so I go up the wing and knock on the door and um, come in. So I open the door and sitting right by the door was Iwo Takamoto. Oh. And he says, well, I understand that this is your first day now, so congratulations. And so he started me on the iconic spaghetti kissing scene by giving me a couple of beautifully cleaned up lady joint that he did and then I was assigned to in-betweens mm-hmm. and so he showed me roughly now here's drawing one and three I'm gonna lay those on the light board and then put a fresh piece of paper on top of that and then you make a drawing in between the two mm-hmm. because it was such a tight scene there was not too much movement between the um, two drawings it was almost the width of a pencil line was the movement however because it was such a critical scene they wanted it as near 100 percent as possible because once it goes into tracing in ink and paint there'll be a percentage lost by the gals even though they worked very very tight and very uh, precisely uh, yeah yeah so i guess you might say my apprenticeship was rather uh, grueling because evil is a taskmaster he's a perfectionist and every time i made a drawing it would take at least an hour to make a good drawing that you were satisfied enough to take in to have evil review it but then when he saw it, he took out his eraser <laughs> and started to knock down some of my lines. And sometimes he would take a fresh piece of paper and just redraw it, you know. But it was a good lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Now, Lady the Tramp was coming to a close. So the inevitable layoffs started. And so being one of the low men on the totem pole, I was called in and said that um, Sleepy Beauty will be about three months away yet. So if you could take uh, three months off, then we will call you back when Sleepy Beauty is ready to go. Well, I immediately went to the phone and I called Johnny Burton at Warner Brothers because during the same period that I visited Disney, I also visited Warner Brothers and I visited MGM and even visited Walter Land Studio. I, I just wanted to get the feel of being inside of any of the cartoon studios. Yeah, exactly. Warner Brothers at that time was located in the infamous Termite Terrace. Yeah. <laughs> so when I talked to Johnny Burton, I said, well, I'm trained now. So Johnny says, well, then come on in Monday morning. So Monday morning, I um, started at Termite Terrace and didn't miss a day of work between Disney and Warner's. 
And now stay with us for part two in Journey with Willie Ito, as he remembers Chuck Jones, Bob Clampett, Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, and more here on the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbera. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.